You've reached the Onkin Radio Podcast. Nick Onkin here, exploring the world from creativity, consciousness, and everything in between to help you alchemize your life to its fullest expression. Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast, and I am excited to bring to you today's guest, Kaya Ra the author and channeler of the Sophia Codes. And if you haven't heard of the Sophia Code book, go pick it up. It's an amazing book on activating your higher self-consciousness through the works of the Ascended Masters or the knowledge of the Ascended Masters. And uh, what I'm really excited about is that on this podcast, Kai and I really get to talk about channeling creativity and you know, getting out of the way for even more creativity to flow through you. And uh, that's what this podcast is all about, is consciousness, creativity, exploration of the intersect of these things. And I'm really excited to have her on the show. Also, if you're new to her work, start with the book first. But if you go to kayara.com, you'll find all sorts of different courses you can get certified in the teachings. You can also find her jewelry line there, which is super cool. Activated pieces of jewelry with the with the different ascended masters. They're all encoded. They're all amplified and high frequency. Uh, super cool pieces. Very beautiful. She designs them herself. And she is an artist herself, which I really love as well. So... On another note, before we jump into the podcast interview here, I uh, just want to let you know about my Identity Alchemy. I've got an Identity Alchemy course coming up. And what is Identity Alchemy? It is building a personal brand from the inside out and keeping congruent between who you are and the assets that you're putting out into the world. So you can learn more about that. You can get five free days of Identity Alchemy over at onkin.co slash IA5. And it's free, free email sequence for you to learn more about Identity Alchemy, add value to your personal brand, and all the things. So without further ado, let's jump into this amazing interview with Kaya Ra. Hello, hello. I am here with Kaya Ra on planet Earth somewhere. In this, whatever dimension we are, what are what dimension are we in? I prefer the seventh plane, but oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's my great honor to be here. It's so nice to finally meet you in person. Yeah, likewise. I'm yeah. excited to to dive deeper into um, creativity mm. and the Sophia codes and all the your story too, which is just fascinating and <laughs> and beautiful. Thank so, um, yeah, let's just, God, where do we even start? <laughs> <That's a great laughs> question. If you haven't read the Sophia codes, it's amazing. Get it. Um, and we'll get into how that came about, but I think mm -hmm. let's start out. Like, let's talk about how you, your kind of path to creativity starting with, cause you were in the, in the slave trade. And if we want to touch on that a little bit, and then we can move into, how you transitioned out into this dimension. Yeah, what was interesting about uh, where my life began was it, 
it was human trafficking at an elite level. And so it's an extremely complicated world. And it's, it's a world that I'm going to describe a lot more in detail in future books. But a good place to understand where some of the children that I was being trafficked with was we were bred for our talents and specifically for our psychic gifts and creativity. Mm. So my journey with creativity started extremely young in my life and it was always being used as an asset and always used against me. And so to go on a journey of recovering from slavery to sovereignty, there was a very painful journey of recovering that my creativity could be for me. Yeah. And it could be a big part of healing my own heart. Yeah. And I believe that a lot of compassion was generated along that that healing journey for anyone that's ever struggled with creativity because I know what it's like to feel so painfully vulnerable in accepting the gifts of my own creativity and being seen in them. Mm. And and I I believe that's a pretty universal feeling for a lot of people. Yeah. That have survived being on this planet and how how many strange programs and beliefs we have about creativity. Yeah. You know, it's like the pain that I've personally experienced during creativity, I feel is a universal pain. Mm-hmm. that we're all collectively transmuting together. Yeah. So when when you were in the trade, like what did it look like to use creativity in that aspect? Yeah, what's interesting about that is everything about what I was surviving had to involve creative thinking. I was always having to, in a very extreme form of hypervigilance, find creative solutions to staying alive constantly and to manage um, what I was being subjected to. And what's strange about that is I discovered an extremely early age that creativity is a state of mind. Mm. It's not about an artifact. It's not even about an, an action. It's about tuning into how your consciousness can download solutions in any moment, whether it's traumatic or blissful mm. and everything in between. So, through that extremity of torture, what was interesting for me was that it was by staying open to how my mind wanted to move in new ways in every present moment to reach for a solution of of survival that later translated into, in my adult life, the challenges that I've faced as a business owner, the challenges I've faced in my personal recovery, the challenges I've, I have faced as an author and as an advocate and as a public figure, ironically has been very blessed by how I was constantly having to stay on my toes with creative thinking for survival. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, Does that make I, sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, creativity is a state of mind and I've, I've actually yeah. taught people, I've ta- taught workshops on this too. Yeah. And it's like, as I've grown through my, you know, 20, last 20 years of my life, it's really been a big piece of that. And it's like, and it's like, and I've learned more and more through that. I couldn't even imagine being, you know, tortured and all these different things that happened to you and having to actually like access that and and because you know when you're living in a creative state, you're you're moving away from a victim state, right? But it, yeah, absolutely, and and yet 
that is the only thing that keeps you alive in that world of trafficking in elite mm. trafficking. It's, it's how your mind can function in a way that can even outwit the handlers. Yeah. Yeah. And surprise them. Right. And I, I, it's like, especially as a, what, as a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it started extremely early. Yeah. And how did, how do you feel like that frame of mind came to you? Did you like, I, I, I know that it was just a part of me. It was a part of my soul. Mm. And I, I, I know, and I can feel, and I already know so many of my other lifetimes. I, I came in with a conscious awareness of them. It's like creativity has been a thread for me throughout many lifetimes. Mm. And it's been a form. I, I, I personally feel as though it's one of our highest ways of like worshiping the divine mm-hmm. and expressing our love for the divine. Yeah. And also how we can reach towards the divine when we feel separated from the divine. So I think part of it was just, it was already intact within me when I arrived mm-hmm. and these extreme circumstances not only forced me to access my psychic gifts at an extremely early age, but also this, this creative mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but what does that say? Right. Creativity is a part of who we naturally are. Yeah. I mean, it's innate, right? Like absolutely. We are... I believe it's a virtue of God consciousness that already exists within us and, I, I, I feel like so much of our society is set up to program us to separate us from our natural creativity, mm-hmm. from our inherent creative creatorhood. Yeah. Right? Because then we would be stepping into a sovereign paradigm. We'd realize there's no space for victimhood. Yeah. If you can access creative thinking and slavery, what can you do in your sovereignty? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A gajillion <laughs> percent, right? Yeah. I mean, wow. That's why I'm saying, like, that's so powerful that you were able to access that as a child going through slavery, going through these, you know, torture, these situations. It's incredible. I think it, it's one of the reasons why I have so much compassion and deeply honor anyone who's suffered from physical abuse or any kind of like severe psychological or emotional abuse growing up, because I really feel like it is the creative genius of the human spirit that helps people survive. People can survive things that aren't nearly as extreme as what I've survived and it can still be devastating. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you really look at the context of inner child healing, and you go back and you really meet those different parts of yourself at like four or seven or eight. And, you know, you, you witness how brave they were. Mm -hmm. You witnessed that creative spirit would do anything to stay alive, Mm -hmm. you know, in the most dire of circumstances. What I find is that a lot of people who survive trauma are honestly creative geniuses. Yeah. And what's so sad is because the trauma makes them feel so ashamed about themselves, if it's unresolved trauma, then they start to associate their creativity with with shame as well Mm. because it's all wrapped up into those unresolved memories. Yeah. Yeah, because then then you have to, you're creating a whole new mindset, a whole new narrative, which is, that's a space of creation in and of itself. Yeah, if you can honor the one that was creative enough to survive that, what's going to happen to how you can honor your creativity in adulthood? Yeah. Yeah, because that's, I mean, we're all, it's all a journey, right? We're all like learning and unfolding and yeah. awakening and and transitioning into new awarenesses. But that transition is impossible until you integrate 
the truth of how innately creative you were to survive those things. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone in a human body has survived some measure of trauma by being alive on this planet in this yeah. lifetime. And so as we go back and we take stock and recognize the, the small and big victories of who we were as little people growing yeah. up into these, these people we are now. I, what's interesting for me about that with the journey of creativity is I've discovered it's really this innocence of the inner child. That's the heart of creative genius. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really untouched in the Sophia we talk about. It. It's, it's, a, it's an untouched innocence. It's not a naivety. It's an untouched innocence that could survive any trauma and still remain a creative genius. Yeah. And as we get older, those traumas get late, more layered and layered. If and layered. we let them. Yeah. But yeah. that the interesting thing is it doesn't matter how layered it gets, you can still access this invincible aspect of of this creative genius within you that's ready to be honored and guide you on how to clear out those layers and get back to creating from that source energy within you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. It's all the healing, right? Yeah, it's a lot of healing, but it's a lot of self-recognition, mm -hmm. self-value. A lot of people who are seeking to embody their their creativity they're struggling with self-worth mm. they're, they're they're not just struggling with the you know the the cultural programming of like oh if you're going to be an artist you're going to be poor you know the the, the starving artist <sighs> archetype we've already got that set up for us right yeah but then if you're you know if you're already a naturally creative thinking thinker what I find is that if people don't start evaluating where they haven't been valuing themselves all along in that healing journey, there's only so far they can go in their creativity mm -hmm. because there's unresolved business in the background mm. that's going to be continuing to sabotage their creative genius. Yeah. Yeah. And tapping into that, tapping into those and discovering what those layers are. But it's a creative genius within you that can guide you there. Yeah. To reclaim it. That's what's so interesting about creativity. It wants to self-heal. Mm -hmm. It wants to self-regenerate. It wants to expand. Yeah. Even through the pain. And it's the power, the creative power that we have to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Let's jump back a little bit. A, what were your psychic abilities? Yeah, I was seeing angels and ascended masters as well as interstellar beings and demonic entities like the let's say the full spectrum of species mm -hmm. and different levels of reality since childhood yeah what's really important to me like can i see things that do i receive visions about the future yes but for me as a channel and as a facilitator of sacred space and really as an advocate for our brightest future i have a lot of places i can go with channeling Mm -hmm. I can, I could, I could do the traditional rodeo of trance channeling, you know, all of the Hollywood psychic card tricks and party tricks that are entertaining. But for me as a leader, what's really important to me is that I'm focused on channeling what is in the highest and best good for our activating everyone into their psychic gifts, mm -hmm. activating everyone into their highest sovereign potential and into their greatest healing journey. To me, that's what's most important. And so that's what I've done by channeling all of these curriculums in our mystery school, channeling the book, 
channeling at live events. Yeah. I'm always training. I'm always asking people to invoke their greatest gifts because I'm not interested in it being about me. I'm really interested in activating a collective sovereign awakening in this lifetime for humanity. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's that's not that's not a you know, that's not a guru thing. That's a that's a we thing. Yeah. You know, it's really important we all recognize that all of the psychic gifts that you see in one person exist in you. It's just about how much you're willing to, you know, open up and allow them to come forward. Many people are terrified of psychic development. Yeah. It's amazing to me because I've no I haven't known anything else. Right. So for right. me it's just like of course we're supposed to be operating at this level. Why wouldn't we be operating at this level? We're all built for it. Yeah. And that's why I do offer um psychic development training every year because we have to normalize these psychic gifts. That's why I use the word intuition a lot because it's a lot it's a less less wooey term, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Less Hollywood. Yeah. Um but it's it's an extremely important conversation because we're all psychic. Mm-hmm. We're all extremely intuitive. And that's what I like to bring out in people through my psychic gifts is how I can read either an individual or, you know, the field, read the field of a of a room and be like, all right, where do you need to go next to accept who you are at an even deeper level? Because if we're all functioning with this, you know, at at really high levels with all of our spiritual technology activated within our body. Like we would not be living in a slave matrix anymore. Yeah, we would be complete. We'd live be be living in our sovereign gifts, and something spontaneous is going to arise out of that. That's that is the solution. That is the age of miracles that we want to call forth. That the ascended masters are asking us to birth. Yeah, absolutely. So you train. You have a training once a year that you do. Yeah, our next one is in Sedona in August. It's going to be. It's called Psychic Sovereign Spiritual Leadership. Ooh. Yeah, but we have a, a, an initial one that we initial training that's on my website that's called psychic development training in our mystery school curriculum. Cool. So, yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Be happy to give that to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The 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 magic the magic arts of it's it's something that's like not very prominent, right? Because so like well, these abilities, right? These things that we can tap into. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just been a lot of people that have capitalized on being psychic that tend to use it like, well, I'm more psychic than you are, instead of like opening the space from being like, I'm psychic and so are you. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of perpetuated this myth that only a few people can really access these talents, and that's just not yeah. true. But you have to be willing to face your trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're not willing to to heal your relationship with your body, your mind, your heart and life, you're not going to be grounded enough to be an embodiment of these gifts. Yeah. So yeah. that's another thing I like to teach about is like you want to be in your sovereign creatorhood, you've got to be grounded yeah. in your daily embodiment of it mm. and of these this spiritual technology. Yeah. A lot of people in like new age spiritual communities are just flopping around the floor like fishes like oh my kundalini's activated i'm seeing visions i just drank a cup of medicine and it's like great good for you what how is this being applied right how is this helping the world how are you in service to others how are you activating leadership in others how are you activating leadership in yourself mm-hmm. are you just living from one spiritual experience to another or are you embodying the journey of spiritual awakening, the spiritual technology within your body? Yeah. How physical are you going to make this spiritual awakening? Mm-hmm. That's important, especially right now. Yeah, like to to learn and then integrate. 
and yeah. learn and integrate. And implement. Yeah, integrate. And implement, learn yeah. how to navigate this matrix through that perspective of sovereignty, which by default, the resonance of your consciousness operating from sovereignty begins to have a profound effect upon the physicality of the matrix. Yeah. Explain that. <laughs> yes. Well, if you... I, I'm all about it. I just like, let's explain that for those, yeah, for, for, for the people listening here. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I love, I love how your mind works. It's, it's awesome, Nick. So yeah, you know, if you are, in, okay, whoever, whoever embodies the highest resonance wins mm. every time. It might not feel like you're winning because the resonance that you're embodying is coming into contact with lower resonances, mm -hmm. lower vibrational realities that by default, when your sovereign divine resonance comes in contact with it, those lower vibrational resonances either do one or two things, fight back or flee. Mm. Depending on how sensitive you are, you might feel both of those things happening simultaneously in the field. Mm. So part of true spiritual warriorhood true spiritual creatorhood through sovereignty is learning how to stand in your embodiment anchored to the heart of the center, the heart of mother earth and taking a stand, putting your sword in the ground, lifting your angel wings up and saying, I'm not moving. Mm. You can either accept the gift of this resonance or yes, you can leave and prosper elsewhere. Yeah. And that's how we co-create a sovereign paradigm here on this planet while simultaneously unplugging from the matrix. We have to be doing both at the same time. We can't just unplug and then stare at each other doe-eyed. Like, blink, yeah. blink, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. Find out inside, what do we do now? What is the sovereign divine consciousness within you wants to set the bar to? What does it want to create? Are you willing to allow that resonance to come through you and alter this world? Like our creativity, the resonance of it, if it's coming from our divine source, it literally, like if physical reality was clay, your consciousness starts to sculpt and mold the clay of this mm. physical reality in a new way. Yeah. Like the light pouring through you either causes the darkness to get triggered and attack or flee. But if you truly are embodying your divine sovereign light, you know that your light is invincible and that the darkness has no power over you. So you just have to learn how to hold your ground and stay in your seat of power mm -hmm. and not give in. And then the light pushes beyond, mm. creates beyond that darkness. Mm. So, yeah, it's a little bit about that, how resonance re-sculpts reality. Resonance resculpting reality. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're just. I mean, this is like it's. It's all a hologram, right? We're all. We're just a, the physical world is just a denser form of frequency Absolutely. and energy, and we can learn to lighten, lighten that frequency and vibrate at a higher resonance. I like that you said vibrate at a higher resonance because it's really about, like, physical reality is always going to have variations of density and lightness. But it's just where do you want to abide in it? Mm -hmm. Do you want to stay in the frequency of that pure light consciousness? Well, then wherever you take that pure light consciousness, no matter what the density of that vibration is, you're the bar. Yeah. yeah. And everything in that room is either going to rise up to meet you there or it's going to flee. Yeah. And so people, when people ask about spiritual protection, it's like the more you get inside your own light and create from that space, like... Mm -hmm. 
those lower level energies, they just can't impact you the same way. They can't take you down in the same way, which is important for creators. Yeah. Because cancel culture is huge right now. Oh my God. You know, and it's like, if you want to, you want to keep playing this, you know, this game of life, not as checkers, but as as a chess game for your consciousness to be continually making an impact. It's like, you're going to, you're going to play chess, not checkers. You're Mm going to choose how your invincible light is guiding you to express yourself and to make an impact. And you're not going to run, not going to run away from it. You're going to keep walking towards it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the Sophia, like the Sophia codes is claiming that it's like the, how to claim that sovereignty that absolutely the, the DNA activations. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a whole, that's a whole other, that's like a, a whole, whole rabbit huge, hole. But like, yeah. to, that's a huge conversation. The, the best way you could sum it up is I spent about, seven years in my thirties, not going out and partying and doing a lot of things that I wish I was able to do. I spent a lot of time in seclusion. Yeah. I spent a lot of time training with ceremonial elders. I spent a lot of time listening and getting super, super focused like a laser on, on my mission. Yeah. that was given to me uh, over 10 years ago at Mount Shasta. I had a larger-than-life experience where all of physical reality melted down. I wow. wasn't on medicine. I All I was doing was washing the dishes for dinner and went, went to sit on my couch to channel some stuff for a book I thought I was writing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the real book got downloaded <laughs> in that moment where, yeah, I was taken into the light. And it was just like, I watched the physical house melt down in front of me. I watched the very, the the very atomic structure of physical reality just dissolve. Wow. And in that light, I was asked to channel the Sophia Code as a, as a declaration of humanity's sovereign divinity given to us from the Ascended Masters. And I mean... Talk about resonance. I, I wasn't ready when they came to me. I was I was in awe of how much inner work I was gonna have to do mm-hmm. to live even close to the resonance that would be required to receive something of that magnitude. Yeah. And uh but the passionate call of the voice of the divine mother that came in that experience, it was like I got to feel what it's like for her to witness billions of souls enslaved to to a matrix and how how desperately she wanted for them to be free. Mm. How do you say no to that invitation? Right. Oh my God. And uh, it took me, you know, seven years of inner work and and channeling work to fully download the Sophia code. And around year three, they kept showing me what they called the divine genome. I'd be sitting at my alt- my mother Mary altar for hours, just sitting there, talking to her, listening, dealing with all of my own shadow work that was coming up from her light. And this divine genome, I said, no one's going to believe me. Like, you can't, like, you really want me to say this out loud? Yeah. And they were like, you have to talk about this. Like, can you imagine billions of people not knowing about the technology in their own body that could free them? Yeah. I was like, yeah, how do, that was another thing. I was like, how do you say no to that? Right. Right? Yeah. Like, will, are you willing to be a fool for the future, mm-hmm. for future generations to be free? Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's like, I, I think that's a good question for artists working right now. Are you willing to be a fool for future generations, to be perceived as a fool mm. for future generations to be free? Because at the end of our life, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just between you and God. It's not between you and what you created. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you answer the call? Mm. Did you say yes with all of your creative gifts, all of your intuitive gifts, with the gift of your human body? Yeah. So this divine genome was so beautiful. And what I saw was that it existed in the metaphysical universe of the DNA. And I mean metaphysical. I mean this is going beyond the string theory. It's like it's it's existing in that primordial source consciousness that your soul exists in, right? Mm-hmm. And it they talk about in the Sophia like an Ark of the Covenant agreement, like a well, it's an Ark of Covenant power within you, but it's it's a it's a covenant that was made between the divine mother and all souls born from her sacred heart that we would be made in her image and likeness. Mm. And that any time we chose to become incarnated into form, as human or otherwise, because mm-hmm. there's so many choices, there's so many yeah. options in this cosmos, that this covenant would manifest as a divine genome. So it was like all of the divine virtues of God, consciousness, mm-hmm. that your soul is made up of, would be like a strand of DNA, mm. with divine DNA. Right. And, and so I saw these crystalline chromosomes that were radiating all of this light. And every time I would look at them in this primordial realm of my soul, it was like, oh, my God, I hear the bells of sovereignty ringing. Like, you know, you're tuning into the divine genome because you start to hear this like ringing resonance of sovereignty. Yeah. The crystalline structure of your soul. Mm. What they showed me was. If you activate this divine genome, all of the divine virtues of God consciousness that exist in your soul, can, there can be bridges of light that are built through consciousness, through a conscious activation of your free will to begin the process of building these bridges of light from the divine genome to your biological DNA. Wow. From the metaphysical universe of the primordial soul space that you are, mm-hmm. in the itty bitty little form of your human body, yeah. bridges of light, bridges of consciousness can be built from that divine genome to every cell of your body. Mm. So what does that mean? That means your body, which is designed to be a supercomputer for the divinity of your soul, but most people are walking around with all of those powers latent, mm-hmm. right? You begin the process through these initiations that are in the second half of the book. You flip on the switches of the process through your free will to begin a journey, a lifetime journey, yeah. of learning how to download the crystalline light of your divine genome into your human body. Yeah, And this is why when we see pictures of saints where their faces are radiant, glowing with light, this is what they've done in previous lifetimes mm. of ascension. They access the divine genome and they built the bridges of light constantly within their DNA. Mm. And then they started embodying the divine virtues of their soul within human form, which changes how the human mind operates. Mm-hmm. So you've got to integrate that. Right. If you're used to your mind, your <laughs> thoughts operating a certain way for most of your life, and then all of a sudden your divine consciousness is like, here's 20 creative options, and you're used to like, you know, hard gripping one. Yeah. That moment alone is enough to like, you know, short circuit your reality. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, how do we? How do we do this? How do we shift into an operating system? It's flipping on your operating system. Yeah. To embody your divinity, the second thing that happens in that section to the Sophia Code is you initiate 
genuine mentor relationships with the ascended masters that can guide you as spiritual guides through the process. Yes. <laughs> Which is epic. Yeah, I love that. So essentially what you're saying is like your conscious thought of, oh, I want to activate my DNA. Then you make the conscious choice to say, you know, activate, use these activations. Well, the I think the word activate your DNA is pretty loose term that's being thrown around a lot in the new age community. Okay. This is an activation of the divine genome. So we're talking about the motherboard of your soul. To consciously bridge a motherboard to the hard drive operating Mm. system of the human body. And then which initiates a sovereign operating system to take over. Right. So it's not just like, I'm going to activate a strand of DNA. (laughs) It's like a full soul overhaul over every level of your humanity. All right, my friend, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and it is one of my favorite brands, Organifi. Uh, As you know, I'm all about putting healthy things into my body and using different supplements and things to get the nutrients that I need uh, when I can't always have access to them through other means of vegetables and things like that. So one of my favorite uh, mixtures is something that I like to mix three of their products together. It's the pure, the red juice, and the green juices. And it's a power pack of nutrients in the morning. Um, so I've been doing this every morning. And what's been great is I've been taking it on my travels so that I can keep some daily nutrients with me, especially when it's a very travel schedule. I don't always have access to foods that I want to eat. Um, so it's a great staple, great way to um, bring things on the road. They have little travel packs too, which is perfect. You can just drop them in, mix them with water, and they're delicious. Less than three grams of sugar, uh, which is very, very little, and it's all organic. Either way, no processed sugars. Uh, So the green juice, which is great, is just you get your daily doses, your daily dose of nutrients that you need. You just mix it with water. There's 11 superfoods like ashwagandha, morninga, chlorella, spirulina, turmeric, and much more. The red juice is a superfood berry blend that contains adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps mushrooms, which is highly, highly beneficial to you. There's 13 superfoods for energy support like beets, blueberries, acai, pomegranate, Siberian ginseng, reishi mushrooms, rhodiola, and more. So it gives you a bunch of energy without the caffeine. Um, And then Pure. uh, Pure is about promoting gut health and the morning brain fog is very helpful. It promotes healthy BDNF levels and mental clarity. For those of you that don't know what that is, I didn't. I had to look this up. Uh, Brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's the key molecule involved in plastic changes related to learning and memory. So neuroplasticity, things like that. Uh, what's great, it's infused with lion's mane and coffee berry. Got baobab from an African fruit that contains 10 times the amount of vitamin C that oranges do. It's got apple cider vinegar to improve gut health. Contains all kinds of other goodies like aloe vera, ginger root, monk fruit, digestive enzymes, and more. So you can go check this out, uh, Organifi.com. That's with an I uh, at the end, not a Y. And you can use the code ONKEN, O-N-K-E-N, for 15% off at checkout. So the, how would you describe the divine genome? Is like, how, what would you, like, how would you define that? I'm literally saying it's a motherboard. It's a motherboard of... 
of God consciousness. Of God consciousness. And all consciousness is made up of, vir- of principles of virtues. So your consciousness is going to be operating off of divine virtues that help you process reality, mm. like a computer processing system. You can either process reality through your ego structure, your trauma, or and your wounding, mm. or you know just base desires, or your computer operating system can process reality through divine virtues of consciousness. Mm. Totally different reality. Yeah. So we speak about it as a motherboard quite literally. It's the motherboard of your soul, and that's why you are sovereign even if you're born into slavery in this world. Because the motherboard can override any viral programming on any planetary matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I guess that's, and then because everything stems like into the physical body from there. Right. It's, it's choosing to bring the spiritual technology of the soul into this world through the vessel that you've chosen. And I, I think a lot of people do a lot of great spiritual healing work. They do a lot of really cool stuff with psychology and, and a lot of different ways of getting to know their personality. This is, this is like, I'm choosing to bring forward the invincible light and totality of my eternal divine nature into this world. Mm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different way of playing the game. And that's how, that's why we mentor the Sunday masters in the Sophia code, Mm -hmm. because people like Jesus, people like Mary Magdalene souls like Hathor, they have been an actual embodiment of what that what that looks like, right? Right. We don't know what it looks like until we see people bending physical reality through through how they've activated their divinity into human form. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of cultures have been have called it an avatar, as though you know these beings are somehow ab- above us or beyond us. And it's like cultures have a lot of ways of framing things to control populations. Yeah, I mean, like everything, like especially you see all these, like even just the cults that happen, you know, once somebody becomes deified within a certain people group, then it all crumbles. One million percent. And and if you really go, and what the Sophia Code does is we go back to some of these key masters of light that we recognize as mirrors for ourselves, whether it's consciously or unconsciously on the planet. And we go back to their original source teachings. What were they really teaching? Yeah. They were dedicating their whole lives and all of their resources. Even even even, you know, in the case of the Holy Family, like their physical bodies to be sacrificed for that message of humanity, sovereign divinity. Mm-hmm. Let's if you if you any great true master that you want to follow, and hopefully you want to be co-creating with them, not following them. It's like it's because they're they're a master of light because they're perpetually finding as many ways as possible to reflect back to you that what's in them is in you mm-hmm. always and forever. And if they're not saying that thing, run. Yeah. 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 We all have the capabilities if we can, if we choose to, to access That's them. right. And that's why chapter one in the Sophia opens up with Sophia saying that I made your soul in my image and likeness, whatever you call God. We, there's a whole thing about why we call God Sophia in the Sophia code. It doesn't matter what you call it that source or God consciousness, but whatever you call it made you in its image and likeness. And that's what people are terrified of mm-hmm. because they want to think about God as something that's completely outside of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. To come into a recognition, into a full self-realization that you are a fractal of God consciousness. You are a hologram of God. 
Yeah. That's the ultimate creatorhood responsibility. Yeah. A lot of people have been programmed out of taking responsibility for their creatorhood, which is the same thing to say they're God. Yeah. Yeah. We're all God dressed in drag, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I grew up as a, in, in a Christian upbringing. Mm. Very, very like controlled narrative. What kind what what section? It's like oh, it's called Foursquare, which is like a mm. I call it Pentecostal light. Oh, so it's well, like at least f- they were open to psychic gifts. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. You can be slain in the spirit and <laughs> totally. all, all the things. All the things. All, all the things. Very theatrical exorcisms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but did, you yeah. Get to, did you get to be a part of that? Were you ever uh I've exorcised? observed a lot of I'll it. Observed. I that. never really tapped into it though. Yeah. I was like, but I think always growing up through the going to church and all this stuff, I, I just could never really believe it. Mm-hmm. Like I was cultured and indoctrinated into believing it. And I sure. tried really, 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 really hard. And I was really <laughs> involved in the church. I was like yeah. playing in the the band and everything. I can see that. And, You've got uh, such a big heart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can. I can do everything. Yeah. But then I was like, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Wow. It doesn't make sense to me. At the end of the day, it just didn't make sense. But it still took me a good seven years when I left, like kind of started like exploring the world outside. It took me seven years to like really strip that programming from my DNA and yeah. from how, like the fear of going to hell. What does that even mean? Right. <laughs> it's all just like a fear play in my head Yeah. to be able to like even begin a sovereign walk in life. I'm so like, I'm so happy to hear, not that I'm happy to hear about your suffering, but like, I just, that just makes me feel even like closer to you in this moment to hear your story about how you survived that programming. Cause you know, it just speaks to, you don't have to be a survivor of human trafficking to be a survivor of religious programming and how much that can traumatize, you yeah. know, a create a beautiful creative spirit such as yourself. Like, Seven years. That's a whole chapter of that's of a transformational. You know, that's yeah. Transformation is measured in seven year cycles. Yeah, right? like big soul transformations, and so that speaks to the depth of what you are unwinding there and and, and choosing you. Yeah, and your own heart's path with that. It's very powerful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey, and and to like come to a space. You know, I've gone through obviously different like phases or like different seven year increments, I should say. Yeah, and you know, went through a whole different kind of spiritual awakening a few years ago mm. that kind of led me to now. It is this divine consciousness, right? Like mm. we're all just God experiencing and expressing itself in this creative world, right? That is creative expression, is divinity expressed. Well, I mean, what is divinity doing all of the time? Without ceasing, it is maintaining all of creation and continuing to expand creation through us. Yeah. Like we are we are literally the divine creativity of God. Mm-hmm. And religion is constantly trying to separate us from that. Yeah. At least harmful religious doctrine. Yeah. There's good in just about anything. But yeah. Th- there's a lot of dogma there that tries to convince us otherwise. Yeah, putting putting God as a white man in the sky outside <sighs> of who we, you know, outside of us that we have to do something to achieve heaven. We go through so many of those beliefs in the Isis initiation mm. in the Sophia code. It's amazing how many religious beliefs she wanted to deprogram in that first initiation right out of the gate 
to activate the divine genome. And what was interesting for me was that she was also, there's also belief systems about interstellar religions. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, not just the religions of this planet, because we, we like unravel a lot from... Catholicism, Christianity, Buddhism, even some indigenous belief systems that we pick up along our incarnations. But then she threw in the interstellar ones, and I was like, whoa, I said, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. What were these, uh, these uh, interstellar ones? Well, I mean, like, I think we think about religion as something that's so native to this planet. Yeah. But religion is everywhere you go in the cosmos. Yeah. Because souls are innately spiritual. Mm-hmm. Souls are innately looking for meaning, which means that if there are species looking to manipulate and control a population out of their innate desire to be in connection with their soul, they're going to they're gonna go. That's one of the first paths of debilitating a population is like go to where they're the most vulnerable, right? Yeah. The most sensitive. Mm-hmm. Our soul connection to the source is where we're the mo- we can feel the most vulnerable and we can feel the most tender. And yeah. it's the easiest place to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was really tapping into my creativity and into my intuitive gifts that helped helped me access my GPS, my inner GPS mm-hmm. for this healing journey. And it was just like a big part of my healing journey was just not listening to what anybody thought I should do and doing exactly what I needed to do for myself. Mm-hmm. Like my healing journey made a lot of people uncomfortable. Yeah. It was, I was a hot mess for years, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't hide it. Like I couldn't hide it. Yeah. The more I tried to hide it, the worse it got for me. So I was just very upfront with people like, yeah, this is where I'm at. I'm, I can't even explain the levels of trauma. Like for years, I couldn't even feel what my skin, like my arms felt like they were totally frozen. Wow. Like I, putting myself back together literally has taken 20 years and through it all it was by staying true to my own heart not trying to make people more comfortable by being uncomfortable with myself I was already so unbearably uncomfortable there was a period of time where I just completely checked out and allowed some people that I I was close to at the time like help take care of me you know I think I spent a year in bed Um, you know, there was a couple of years of very extreme, like unemployment and it was really letting myself be intuitively guided by my guides, by the angels and by my higher self and doing whatever I needed to do, Mm -hmm. whether it was to be unemployed for a couple of years and actually receive the help, use my gifts and skills work weird odd jobs like you know mm-hmm. or even go back to using my highly refined skills and in doing independent contractor work for design it was just like I was all over the map yeah and I just trusted the quantum journey and the more I kept no matter like whatever money I had I just kept reinvesting in myself mm. like okay I have this much money to sign up for a gym or now I'm living in a home near a park so I'm going to go run and meditate every day or you know, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to cleanse. I'm going to meditate more. And every time I tapped into writing, mm. I was constantly talking to my own consciousness that was always guiding me to the next step, the next step, and the next step. And so eventually, 
you know, once I had a lot more resources, I had created my career, mm-hmm. I had stabilized enough to create a career, both as a creative and as a psychic and as a leader, that's when I really kicked it into high gear mm. and just started investing on so many levels of how do I confront my consciousness that was so tortured and so programmed and had to overcome so much. Like, how how do I do this? Yeah. Because I know that every step I take to dismantle what they tried to do to me is another step forward for helping millions of other people someday do the same process, mm-hmm. you know, which is my prayer for the Sophia Code Foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, I acknowledge you for that work. It's it's uh, incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's it's wild too. I mean, and I love your. I love how you've channeled. I want to talk about your like design and jewelry because you're such an artist as well. Uh, thank it's, you. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I love your. You know, your jewelry line is is beautiful too. And thank you. Um, how did you start? When did you start that? I mean, because you draw and you paint. And, yeah. And all the things. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I I didn't know this until later in life, but the woman that I was really born to in the programs, she she was genetically artistic mm. inclined. She was a bit of a creative genius. And so it wasn't until later in life I started to really recognize that she was the angel behind me mm. as I would draw. And as I was Beautiful. tapping into my artistry, it was my real mother. And the more I healed, because tapping into creativity, physical, create, like to create art, mm-hmm. I would go through so many layers of shame. Mm-hmm. I would, I had to learn a process of like, if I wrote a page, if I did a painting, if I made a design to literally walk out of the room and leave it alone and go do something totally different because I would tear myself to pieces. Mm. But what was happening is like things were just downloading through me so fast. They were already just perfect. Yeah. And I couldn't, I was so afraid of it, of that, you know, creative energy coming through me. It was like, it intimidated me. What I saw was light being downloaded into form Mm. in the ways that I needed it, but probably a lot of people needed it too. Yeah. So I had to go on a long journey of personal healing or an artistry before I even could come close to designing that jewelry line. Yeah. But that jewelry is a really cool story because... After the Sofiko got published, it became an international bestseller in five days. And wow. it's been an international bestseller ever since for six years. And Amazing. I was uh, getting ready for my first book signing at Mount Shasta when I was living at Shasta. And I went up to make some prayers at the top of the mountain. And I came down from the mountain and I had a phone call. And it was my, my business partner that I do the jewelry with. Mm-hmm. And she said, I am obsessed with the Sophia Code. I couldn't stop crying for 24 hours after I read the book and found you and heard about you on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, I want to create jewelry with you. Wow. And I had been told by a Senate Master Isis that I was going to create jewelry someday. And I, um, I thought, that's cool, because I have no idea how that's going to happen. I'm sure you'll let me know. <laughs> and so when I got that message after coming down Mount Shasta, which is a holy mountain, like yeah. the timing was spoke to me, and that began our journey together. And we hand-carved the jewelry in Bali. And I love about the people that I work with, I love them with all my heart, is that channeling is innately a part of the Balinese culture. And what's interesting is that the men are actually the channels in the temple and the women stand behind them and protect them as they channel. 
Whoa. Yeah. So there couldn't have been a more aligned culture for me to co-create this this jewelry line with this these collections. And when I got to Bali for the first time to meet them and work with them, I walked into the shop and I literally saw Isis physically standing behind them. And I was like, whoa, Isis, what are you doing here? Like, I hadn't even gotten here yet. She's like, I've been here getting them ready for this the whole time. Whoa. And I looked up and there was a copy of the Sophia Code on the altar of the, the carving workshop. And then there was incense and flowers. And it was like, okay, game on. And... What's so interesting is like when you work with these artisans, they come from family lines of artisans. So you're not just, if you find an exceptional carver, like you're not just working with someone who just learned some cool carving tricks, like his grandfather carved, his great grandfather carved. Yeah. Like they live in a village only of carvers. So you're carving with their ancestors. Mm-hmm. You're carving in a culture that's consecrated to channeling. It's it's extraordinary. Wow. And it was the perfect fit for the Sophia Code because my prayer wasn't just to cr- like design jewelry, which there's nothing wrong with just designing something. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to channel the designs. Mm-hmm. I wanted these jewelry designs to be encoded with a living transmission. Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is through ceremony. Mm-hmm. And the Balinese have a practice of going into ceremony to carve their spiritual weapons that they wow. use in the temple. Or their spiritual tools, whatever they're using for ritual. So this was like perfectly aligned to be able to step into a creative space that was really in alignment with birthing what I needed to birth forward with this jewelry collection. So all of these designs come directly from the Ascended Masters. And whether you understand any of the teachings in the book or not, the resonance is encoded in each piece. Mm -hmm. It's really like really helpful to have touchstones when you're choosing a new operating system. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not to mention, it just looks really cool. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. Hey. <laughs> I love it. They're beautiful pieces. Thank really you. Really beautiful. Because I'm curious, because like, obviously the feminine, you have like different, different ascended masters and yeah. one of them is in, I guess, male, like Christ is male form, right? How does yeah. that, I mean, they're all, there's how does that play out into like masculine, feminine, you know, male, female in today's like physical form in terms of how does that relate? So that's a great, great question. The reason why the Sophia code was presented through a divine feminine Christ lens is because it's, we are so damaged and traumatized from patriarchal religion, dogmatic religion. That, that white guy in the sky that can send you to the hell underneath the earth, that guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're still recovering from such vast amounts of trauma from that guy. Yeah. That if you can heal your relationship with the divine mother, mm-hmm. it creates a clear space, intuitive space to, to come back into relationship with the truth of divine father. Mm. You have to heal the feminine first because you can't know the pristine clarity of the divine masculine without the ocean of wisdom, compassion and perception that comes with divine feminine principles. Mm. And also this idea of personal genetic birthing of souls, this divine mother, even birthing the divine masculine out of her. This is an ancient concept that we've found in, in many, many like, like in Hinduism and other cultures around the world that aren't 
male centric. And if you think about the fact that human babies are born out of female wombs, like Mm -hmm. that one original source point can choose to express itself first through the feminine that then opens and literally bursts the masculine principles from out of her consciousness to complement and harmonize her consciousness in form. Mm. How do we experience that macro reality within the microcosm of our humanity? What I love about the Sophia Code is that we have these extraordinary seven divine feminine masters that were completely balanced with divine masculine principles within themselves. Mm. So when you meet any of them, even though we have our cultural expectations about what it means to be around Kuan Yin, which is extremely soft and compassionate and watery, that's not the Kuan Yin you meet in the Sophia Code. Right. Yes, all of those qualities are there, but so is this inner, the white, the gentle white light that pierces all darkness. Mm -hmm. That's radical. Mm-hmm. That's a radical primordial divine feminine power that's working in the consciousness of the divine masculine that can pierce through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this harmonious. Um, what we discover through each of the masters is that the full expression of sovereignty comes when the divine masculine and the divine feminine are harmonized as one within you. Mm-hmm. You can express however you express your gender based on what feels comfortable to your personality. Mm -hmm. But within each and every human being participant that's here right now, it's up to us to recognize that both are equally important. Yeah. And that it's only when both aspects of the divine masculine and the divine feminine come online consciously and start co-creating together within you that you experience the alchemy of a unified field of creative sovereignty flowing through you, mm-hmm. capable of doing unlimited things here. Yeah. Divine feminine alone or divine masculine alone doesn't work. Yeah. 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 I've been in this this conversation a lot around masculine and feminine energies yeah. and i mean would you say that it's that's all the, also the same as divine masculine feminine or no okay divine feminine divine masculine are different than just masculine and feminine so it's going i think is that your question i'm sorry yeah i mean i guess just like masculine structure versus uh feminine flow like contain creating containers right well we want to look at like what are the divine virtues okay of holy mother consciousness what are the what is the full sovereign divine nature of holy father consciousness so we have our human context of what feminine and masculine is but when we are talking about divine feminine divine masculine we're talking about god consciousness right which is i think people get confused between those two yeah we're talking about something entirely different. Like when Jesus and Mary Magdalene were walking the earth together, teaching side by side as sovereign equals, she was so feminine in her body, but she was a sword of divine masculine consciousness that like innately within her that was continually flowing with that divine feminine grace of that Christ consciousness within her. It was all working together as one. Mm-hmm. So she was choosing to express, you know, this gender role of being a woman, but she wasn't in any way taking, allowing the divine masculine qualities within her to, to not be seen. 
Right. And Jesus in the same way was embodying this wildly compassionate, divine feminine, wildly psychic Mm -hmm. principles within him that were consecrated to serving divine will. When we're talking about feminine, masculine virtues, we're talking about virtues that are consciously being chosen in your human awareness to to be embodied for a divine will, Mm. to fulfill your divine purpose. It's very different than like, I want to be in flow. You know, I want more money in my life, better sex, and yeah. I want to you know make moves in my career. All of that's great. That's not what we're talking about with divine feminine, divine masculine. That's that's when you're stepping into a level of mastery, leadership, and creative genius that's consecrated to the evolution of the whole. Mm. Which means you're playing life at a different game, a right. different level of the game. Right. So what would that look like in a tangible so, like, okay, so for example, for like instance, yeah. somebody like Jesus and Mary Magdalene, right? They could yeah. become the Jesus and Mary Magdalene show. Look at our cool psychic like gifts. Look at how fabulous we are. Look at our tantric blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah. that's not what they were doing. They're, right. I mean, and they could have done it. Yeah. They could have easily chosen that path. And instead, you know, here, I mean, we're, we're talking about people that lived honestly with the resources they had with the lineage they're connected to like royalty on the planet they and what did they do they went into the fields and you know performed exorcisms on people that were starving and like smelled terribly and were deeply impoverished and you know they walked down streets where crucifixions were happening you know between the grocery store and your home Mm. it was like that was the kind of service we're talking about you know, right. that takes Christ consciousness or what is also known as Buddha consciousness to mm-hmm. be like, oh, my extraordinary gifts are here to serve a great awakening. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the, the you know, the, the transformational industry and self-empowerment and self-love and the different kind of like dipping your toes into that water is really important. You have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. But if you actually activate your divine genome, and you really start practicing these mystery school teachings that we're offering, you begin to elevate your consciousness to understand like, oh, the highest way to play this game is as the Ascended Masters did. Like, how many souls can I impact in a profound way? And how can I get out of my own way to do that? Hmm. What levels of mastery, training, discipline, creativity, willingness, focus do I have to, do I get to embody for that to actually come Mm -hmm. true? Yeah. Yeah. Who do I create, co-create with for to have a greater impact, even if it pushes me beyond my vulnerable edges to do so, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it's – and who am I willing to bring the message to mm-hmm. that makes me feel uncomfortable, yeah. right? A lot of – I think there's a lot of like – I want to be spiritual, but I don't want to be uncomfortable, Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like true Christ consciousness, true divine feminine, divine masculine leadership, sovereign spiritual leadership, right? Because yeah. divine feminine, divine masculine coming together, that sovereign spiritual leadership, which we're teaching about all this year. It's like that's being willing to sit in your own fire always. Yeah. It's never off. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always on. Mm-hmm. You realize that everything about your life is a part of your leadership. In your self-mastery and your creative offering. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So <laughs> I love it. I guess how do you balance, or not balance that, but how do you integrate that into, 
you know, your personal life and like, like just, I guess every day, (laughs) you know, living and riding horses, you know, how, what does that balance look like for you? Yeah. I have to make a really, it's, it hasn't been an easy balance because so much of my personal life has been up until recently focused almost entirely on healing. Mm. Like to be, to be serving this many people and a survivor of such unspeakable atrocities, like it's required that most of my life up until recently has been just all focused on healing and serving. Mm -hmm. And recently over the past few years, I've been learning how to slowly bring greater balance in (laughs) to that journey. And horses have been a big part of that. Yeah. Travel has been a big part of that. Art has been a big part of that. Both creating art and just spending time with art, collecting art. Mm. I love, it's very like all the art in my home. I've spent, you know, hours with those pieces before actually, you know, bringing them home, like in deep meditation and prayer. Like, okay, why are you journeying me with me? Like, how is this serving and both my heart and, and this mission? And, yeah. Animals have been a big part of it. And then meeting other people that are choosing to push the envelope, mm-hmm. the leading edge of consciousness. That's been, that's been good for me too. Yeah. It's yeah. really opening up my world in new ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could imagine. Yeah. I love going on adventures. I'm extremely adventurous. Yeah. Like, really adventurous (laughs) what kind of adventures like i just love rock climbing i love um really technical hikes i love being on the ocean i love boating i love i love snowboarding (laughs) yeah i actually i learned how to shoot i love shooting firearms like like i love throwing on a cowgirl hat and just like go (laughs) camping and yeah i just i don't know i feel like my relationship with the earth is where I feel the most home. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And like moving. Like I love being in motion, mm-hmm. you know. And then I love, I'm going back to Paris this summer. So I'm planning uh, on spending a lot of time looking at art. And I love fashion. And yeah, that's the part where I really just, I feel myself relax. And I want to relax more into that over the next couple of years of just allowing the artist in me to just, like this is, this is, my service too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think people want to put spiritual leaders or spiritual teachers in this box. And it's like, I'm never going to be in that box. Whether you, whether you see me or not, I'm not in that box. Yeah. I don't want to be in that box. Mm-hmm. So that's my prayer over the next few years is to let myself go more in that direction. <laughs> yeah. It's like kind of dancing between the two and I think for people like us, it's like there's there's such a blending of the personal and the creative and the mission. Yeah. And that's when you know you're really doing what you love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a blessing to be able to make a like life art, essentially. I mean, if you follow your heart and you're brave enough to to do that, the rewards are huge. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul. 
I haven't seen that one yet. No. Yeah, it makes me curious of how Disney was actually able to put a movie like this out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm. what? Well, I guess it's more Pixar, but mm. at the end of the day, but there, yeah. there's this whole thing around creative flow. And when you tap into creative flow, you're accessing yeah. the underworld. You're accessing that the astral worlds or whatever that looks like. You're accessing the cosmos. The cosmos, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, that's what happened when I said yes to Sophia. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Let's channel the cosmos." Yeah. Let's channel all that is. Let's start there. Absolutely. I was like, yeah. <laughs> what happens when you start there and not yeah. localized to one planet or one species? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and bring it into a tangible form. Yeah. What happens? Because that's what we're doing when we're creating, right? We're taking the cosmos and bringing it into like an actual, and we're crystallizing it. We are it. literally doing that. Yeah. Both form and the unformed. Yeah. Both the primordial space of nothingness and all that has ever existed. Yeah. There's so there's so many kind of like guardian angels for creativity too mm-hmm. that are kind of always like putting a wind under our angel wings, wanting us to go in those unknown places within us that could bring forth not just genius creativity, but the prosperity, like yeah. the new opportunities that come from being that willing soul Yeah, to be that cosmic translator in form. Ooh, a cosmic translator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. Well. I know. She covered a lot. <laughs> covered a lot. It was <laughs> amazing. Uh, where can people find you? Connect. Take take the take your workshop or the yeah. events and stuff like that. Yeah, we have our Sovereign Soul events this year in our events calendar at kaira.com, which is k-a-i-a-r-a dot com. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been so much fun. I admire your creative soul so much. Thank you. Thank you. And likewise. <laughs> likewise. What a journey. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Kaya Ra, I'd love it if you could help us out by sharing the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all the things. Share the link. Would love that. Uh, if you want to dive deeper into Kaya's world, you can go to kayara.com. That's K-A-I-A-R-A.com. Or follow her over on Instagram at KayaRawOfficial. Um, you can also follow me over at Nick Onkin and at Nick Onkin on the Instagrams. And um, yeah, so many thing, fun things coming up. So keep following and keep listening. Oh yeah, and don't forget to sign up for the five free days of Identity Alchemy over at onkin.co slash IA5. It's five free days and uh, you learn more about how to build your personal brand, creating visual assets for your personal brand that are aligned with who you are. And with that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time.